Game number five goes to your Phoenix Suns. The good guys win one. Am I right? The the good ones win one. Uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Suns Jam Session podcast. A fun game in downtown Phoenix tonight as the Phoenix Suns defeat the New Orleans Pelicans 112-97. to And Matthew, as I welcome you to the podcast, I do want to give a shout-out to Cousin Will, 999 in the Super Chat. He says, three down, Steve Nash to go. I love it. Steve Nash to go. We got 13 to go. So, uh, Yeah. Thanks, Cousin Will. Great, Appreciate great, it. Great game. Great game. Good job, sons. Good job. Yeah, good game. Uh, I didn't feel the best about it all around, um, but it was they did just enough, and I just have to keep the mindset like, hey, Booker's not here. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be nasty, even though we're up by 10 most of the game. It might not look how I want it to look, but they got it done. Um, so I'm very happy for that. Uh, you know, you make your shots, you get the loose balls, turns into a W. Yeah, and I think I'm, I'm with you there because we have such a high expectation for this team and the way that they've played all season long. And with the high intensity that the playoffs bring, coupled with the possession-to-possession, drawn-out physicality that the New Orleans Pelicans have been playing with, not having Devin Booker has definitely left an impact on this series. Uh, but that being said, you know, you have to find conduits of offense outside of Devin Booker. You have to find ways to play smart basketball, which is one thing that I think that the Phoenix Suns really did in this game. So plenty to talk about on this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. I do apologize. My voice is a little off. Uh, I've been sick for the past. I, I literally Sounds think. Sounds sexy, man. <clears throat> does it? I've got that like. Yeah. It, it's like Phoebe when she on Friends. Oh, when smelly she, cat. When she gets a cold, she starts to like smell. Oh, yeah. Smelly <laughs> cat. I always think of that too when I have that voice. That voice is nice. I love it. Works for me. <laughs> Thank you, Thomas Annette. Two bucks in the super chat. He says, let's fucking go. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was watching Friends today. I've been, I, I honestly think that game four physically made me sick. I went to bed on Sunday night. And I had a horrible night's sleep. I, I was just, I was dreaming about the Suns Pelicans game all night. <laughs> Seriously. And then I like, I woke up yeah. in the morning, felt horrible, uh, felt horrible all day yesterday, feeling a little bit better today, but just, I'm still not there yet. Uh, but maybe this will lift my spirits. A good win. Maybe uh, Phoenix Suns. Chugging with the fellas will help you. Are you chugging today or no? I am drinking water, my friend. I'm oh, you got to drink water. water. I'll so, chug one. You'll what? I'll chug one. Uh, F yes. Yes. You're going to chug right. a Loganitas IPA. I'm allergic to the corn syrup or whatever is in it, but just last time. You're allergic this, it'll to be, it. Yeah. Bud Light. I can have Bud Light. Found out today. I can only be a Bud Light guy. So where did you find I'll have this? A Bud Light. Where did you find this out at? It's uh, did you, did you go to a doctor. A doctor? I went, yeah. I went he, to a doctor today. And really? he's actually the one that told me like Devin Booker, or I'm sorry, Chris Paul needs to eat more meat. He'll have the energy to put up with Alvarado. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Maybe he does. You're onto something. So shout out to him and shout out to my last log when he was for a little bit. And uh, here we go. It'll be it'll be on to Bud Light. So while Matthew's chugging with the fellas, it's chugging with the sickos now because this team is the the sickos. Welcome to the Suns Jam Session podcast. You can follow me at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew at Matthew Listen. You can follow the show at Suns Jam on Twitter. Well done, Matthew. You just chugged a Loganita's IPA. Uh, yes. You're a man, dude. You're a man, dude. Mm, I know. Make well, me into a man, Doc. There you go. Well, welcome, everybody. Let's talk about this victory, baby. <laughs>
Phoenix Suns take care of home care take take care of home court advantage. Win one twelve to ninety seven against the New Orleans Pelicans, which brings me to my first question. That's the wrong drop. Matthew, I got to ask. You, I, I got to ask. Do, do you think that the Suns did this because it was Al McCoy's birthday? Do you think they won because of that? I was hoping yeah. they would win. I saw that, and I got even more depressed. I know you got sick after last depressed. game. But I've been down. Yeah, because I'm like, if they don't win this, how disappointing would that be for Al McCoy? Um, so I look at it as in, in a negative light, of course, like everything else. But uh, they got it done, and honestly, it's something that had to happen. You don't want Al McCoy to celebrate that birthday on a loss. I mean, you want to win a championship for him for his birthday. And uh, this is a step in the right direction. I think there's still a lot of ugliness out there that the Suns are doing to themselves uh, that they need to shore up. But mm-hmm. they just got the win. They 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 opened the door at the end, and they made sure to get that 15-point win. No, I agree with you, and I think that's where we should start. We should start with the good on this on this game mm-hmm. because there was plenty of good that occurred. I definitely think that there's some more areas of opportunity, and as we mentioned, without Devin Booker, you're going to have plenty of areas of opportunity, right? I mean, the fact that the Phoenix Suns, though, came out and scored 32 points to the Pelicans' 20 points in the first quarter, uh, in my personal opinion, was absolutely paramount. You had they, they were playing like the Phoenix Suns again. They were a team that was forcing turnovers. They were getting out and running. They, you know, their offense, or I'm sorry, their defense was leading to their offense, which is what Phoenix Suns basketball has been like this entire season. Uh, they tried something different, and again, that that's my biggest takeaway from this is Monty Williams. Part of this is due to game planning, and part of this is due to the fact that campaign forced his hand, but he went with a big lineup. He put JaVale McGee and DeAndre Ayton out there at the same time. There were minutes with Busy out there in JaVale. Aaron Holiday got some minutes tonight, which I was a big fan of because I think that he matches the energy of Jose Alvarado. Now, obviously, the Holiday minutes come due to the fact that Cameron Payne uh, got himself into early foul trouble, three quick fouls, ends up fouling out of this game. But what did you think of Monty's adjustments in this game and how it essentially, because he did it in the back end of the first quarter, how it led to a big lead for the Phoenix Suns that they never relinquished in the entire game. You know, you don't really want to see it where you have to match a team like the Pelicans that are the eighth seed that only had the 36 wins. Just if you look at it on paper, you're like, why why do you have to do that? Well, you do because they have the momentum. It's a 2-2 series. You have to do something to switch it up. You're without Booker. You got to scramble for something to help. And I was actually thinking that Holiday might be the first guy to come in for for Payne because Payne's been struggling so much, but Monty sticks with him. Payne has a good game. Um, Holiday minutes, perfect. Uh, Him and Alvarado, I wanted either Payne or, or Holiday to be the Alvarado for our team, the annoyance, and he was. He was for the spurt. He did a great job. And uh, when McGee was in there for the big men and he was in there with Aiden, um, it was something special, dude. The, to end the was it the was it the end of the second quarter? Yeah, three minutes. No, three minutes in the first. Three minutes in left first, in the first. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Versus Big V. It just seemed like it short of the defense. No one could get to the rim. That was the big thing yes. to start the game. And even the second quarter, everyone was getting to the rim. No one could. So when you have that and they're stuck out there in the perimeter, they had to figure something out. It was forcing a lot of turnovers on the perimeter, and they were making sure that no one was getting in the lane. Um, it's something that we wanted as fans, something that we wanted as um, you know, even the podcast that you know. You have to do this. You have to do it with Bismack. You have to do it with McGee. You have to do it with Aiden. You have to have them together in and out the whole game. And 
It, it looked nice. It, you know what? I think that he was saving it for the right moments when the Suns needed some kind of spurt, some kind of defensive stop, and they and he he brought it out. And it's something that we need to continue to have, probably going into the next series. If we if we pass the series, which hopefully we will, if we get to the next series, it's something that we might have to do with other teams too, including those like you know if in the in the finals like the Milwaukee Bucks. Well, and again, I think that you know you you, you started off that statement with something that is valid. It's like you, you don't you don't want to have to pull out all the stops when you're playing a number eight seed. But guess what? This series is tied two two, and you got to do what you got to do to win. And I'm not saying that putting out a, a big lineup against Dallas in the next round or Utah, you know, whoever we end up playing that that series is at three to two. It, it might not necessarily be a successful or be even needed, but in this series against this team, a team that's beat you up on the boards, a team that puts lineups out there with Larry Nance and Jonas Valanciunas at the back. What, what they've been doing all series is they put Larry Nance and Jonas Valanciunas at the back end of the first quarter. JaVale McGee comes in when DeAndre Ayton goes out. Big V comes back in. And what they do is they clear out the space. They let Ingram do his shooting. And if he misses, they gobble up the rebounds and they make the game close. Yeah. So Monty Williams countered. And it was great to see. Because we know that one of the weaknesses, there's not a lot of weaknesses with Monty Williams. But one of the weaknesses is he's almost too loyal. Right? He's loyal to a fault. See Elia Kobo. You know, see Abdel Nader. You know, there's these guys in his past that he is unbelievably faithful to. And that's been kind of some of the debate over the past couple days when it comes to the Phoenix Suns. It's like, well, don't expect Monty to start putting in Bismack or putting in Holiday because that's not what he necessarily would do because he has faith in his guys. And those guys have earned that faith. And I get that. But those guys also haven't been performing. So you want to try to match the energy and the length of the New Orleans Pelicans. And the way you do that is you throw JaVale out there with DA. You have Aaron holiday come in again, albeit the fact that Cameron Payne forced his hand, but holiday is just as pesky as Alvarado. The difference is he's more physical, you know? So is at Andrew Jang, uh, the Vietnamese U S Jedi born in Arizona asks in the chat, he says, do we keep the same rotation next game? What do you think, Matthew? Cause I think the answer to that is yes. Yeah, you have to. Honestly, I wanted to see it more tonight. I wanted to see it in situations that kind of blow this game open because it was working so effectively. You know, and you only saw it in the spurts for two or three minutes. I mean, Chris Paul had another time where he had a hard time bringing down the ball to get, and he got the eight second violation. It was like, I loved it when Holiday was helping him out with that. Yeah. I loved it when Holiday was playing defense in Alvarado. I loved it that Alvarado had to cover Holiday in certain situations and not focus his energy on Chris Paul. Like, just we need more of that. We need to adapt to this team that's super hot. And they're hot because they play the play in, because they got those games under their belt. You know, the Suns, looking back, I don't remember the last time they've had like a good streak of good wins, you know, because we ended the season in first place. We play meaningless basketball. The Pelicans have been playing meaningful basketball to get into here. That's why they are so mm -hmm. hot right now. And we have to do something to stop them because even though we are the better team without Booker, it's hard, like in baseball, this happens a lot, right? Where the baseball, the, the streaky team in the that gets in the playoffs yeah. will probably win the championship. That happens a lot. And I, I think that the Suns just need to adjust and continue to adjust and use this. And I was waiting for big Ish Wainwright, Ish Wainwright, Ish Wainwright to, to get up there. Yeah. And we didn't see juice tonight either. So a lot of good moves by Monty to adapt to a situation where we're not used to. And like last year in the first round against the Lakers, 
A lot was going on. We'll probably look back on this first round of the Suns can finish it off in six and be like, dude, you remember Alvarado? Remember how annoying that series was? We'll look back because the Suns needed a game like this to get back into their good funk. And so this like really kind of funky monk thing they got going on. (laughs) This funky monkey that they got going on. No, no, I agree with you. You know, this is a team that by every metric, they are outplaying what they've been all season. You know, Mm -hmm. again, Jose Alvarado, they said it on the broadcast, 68% free throw shooter. You know, in this game, he ends up going four for four from the free throw line. You know, it's a, a CJ McCollum, you know, the way that he's playing, uh, uh, Brandon Ingram, the way that he's playing. I mean, everyone on their team is playing out of their mind. And the Phoenix Suns just have had to make the proper adjustments. And I feel like because it's a seven game series and you don't want to show your hand too early. That's the other side of that is the Suns won two games and they didn't have to show the big lineup. They didn't have to necessarily bring in Holiday. And, and no, Holiday only played for five minutes and 50 seconds in this game. But his his impact was unbelievably felt uh, by this team because, you know, again, he played with the hustle and he he created another offensive and defensive wrinkle that just kind of, uh, it, it threw off the Pelicans. On so yeah, he gets the drop tonight. You know, he uh, absolutely played well in that five minutes. And I think that, you know, to, to answer that question, I think that we stick with these same rotations. And to your point, Matthew, we might see a little bit more of it because the next game is a potential closeout game. So you can throw the book at them trying to trying to send them home or keep them home because that game will be in New Orleans. Uh, shout out to Thomas Danette, shooter shoot two bucks in the super chat. We appreciate that. Uh, Ralph Leonard, whoa, sons and six, five bucks. We appreciate that as well, my friend. Uh, and all you jamsters who are hanging out with us, this is you know, absolutely fantastic the way that this team played tonight. Uh, Haydot Zero brings up a very good point, and I want to kind of get your thoughts on this, Matthew, as we look towards, you know, and we'll, we'll definitely talk about everything that happened in this game, but as we look towards the Phoenix Suns in game six as, as an adjustment, you know, what, what he brings up is essentially Landry Shamit should be starting. I can save Sham. Wow. And Landry in this game, you know, played a, a total of 25 minutes, two of six from the field, one of three from beyond the arc, had six points, uh, three total rebounds. What are your thoughts on Landry Shamit starting and sending Cameron Johnson back to the bench? You know, at times when Shamit is um, on the dribble, um, across the lane, has a nice little pull up, and he's been doing better at playmaking, finding the open shooter. Uh, I, I do think that he should start at some times, but then sometimes I'm just like, just get into the game. Just get, just fill the spot of Booker. To me, the starting line doesn't matter as much. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, cause it's so mixed and match now, now that they're throwing out new lineups, like I don't think it really matters who's starting. I think that Cameron Johnson's doing a fine job. Maybe he needed to start tonight to have a good game like he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't matter to me because I think they're just mixing and matching these lineups to where who's starting won't matter down the line. I think you can start Shaman if you want, but then we'll go in the situation. If the Suns lose next game and we start Shaman, then it's like, okay, should we start Cameron Johnson? Like we did this all season at certain times where yes. we're like, who do you start when players started getting hurt? So I just I think stick with it. I think it's nice for I wanted Cameron Johnson to start, so stick with it. I love what Shaman's doing off the bench. Just leave it as it is right now. The thing I have with Landry Shaman is I just don't think that his defense and his length on defense against this long Pelicans team as a starter is the right answer here. I, I think you still stick with Cameron Johnson, and you're right. It's not necessarily it, it's it's not necessarily about 
who starts. It's about who plays throughout the game and who finishes. Right. Yeah. So how, how you counter if, if one of their guys is getting hot, then you're going to make an adjustment and vice versa. So <clears throat> Landry Shamit starting is something that with Devin Booker out, I thought we would see for a game. But I think the continuity, that's the one thing that's a challenge for this team right now is they just don't have that continuity because Devin Booker has been out. So they've made the adjustment to the starting lineup, putting Cameron Johnson in there. And I think that that's what they'll continue to roll with. I definitely think that Landry Shaman provided unbelievably valuable minutes in this game, especially seeing as, as uh, Chris Paul had to play 38 minutes, almost 39 minutes. So having Landry Shamit pick up some of those minutes, have, have him out there with Aaron Holiday, have him out there with campaign, do anything that you can to try to relieve some of those Chris Paul minutes so he can execute in the fourth is absolutely paramount for this team. And I think that uh, you don't, you don't match his minutes with Chris Paul uh, in the starting lineup. You have him give Chris Paul some rest. That's, that's what I think. Yeah, I think so too. And they're doing a good job with those three guards. They really are with uh Payne, Shamit, and uh, Holiday. So same thing next game would be very nice. Yeah, and w- again, we'll we'll see what the the Phoenix Suns do when they play in New Orleans on Thursday. Uh one guy though you got to talk about in this game, man. The Warden the warden in this game, man, playoff career high for Mikhail Bridges. Seven, or I'm sorry, 12 of 17 from the field. 12 of 17, four of four from beyond the arc. 31 points. He had four block shots and four made threes. Uh, five rebounds, two assists. What an unbelievable performance by Mikhail Bridges. What an absolutely needed performance by Mikhail Bridges with Devin Booker out, you need somebody to fill that scoring gap, right? And we talked about it on the last podcast. You know, we want it to be DeAndre Ayton, but you need somebody else to do it. You need Cam Johnson. You need one of the twins yeah, to step yeah. up. And guess what? Mikhail Bridges did that tonight. He did, and he was loving it. Uh, defensively, he was absolutely amazing. Uh, in the first first quarter, you know, Ingram was going off again. He was getting to the lane like he wanted. They had Crowder on him. And I'm like, Mikhail Bridges? And then all of a sudden, Mikhail Bridges was on him. And he made it difficult. He was a problem everywhere. Like the double blocks down low on Devontae Graham, where you just like get that shit out, leading to fast breaks. He had his hands and everything. Yes. Um, the block on CJ McCollum, too. It's Ooh. just like, oh, I can do this too, Herb Jones. You know what I mean? I can block these jump shooters. I just, the way he was playing defensively on Ingram was a problem. You know, these podcasts we do after every game, I'm like, Ingram's tough to guard because he makes these difficult shots. So mm-hmm. the length sometimes doesn't matter. The body does sometimes doesn't matter. But Mikhail made it really difficult for him to do anything tonight. So we haven't seen that all series long, really, where he made a stop on Ingram consistently like that. He was doing a really good job on CJ McCollum most of the series. But now it's Ingram's turn. Ingram, he shut him down 22 points. Right. You know, he Ingram was absolutely he was the guy that was the MVP of the series so far, but he shut him down tonight, made it difficult. That's the only thing you can really do against this guy to make it difficult, make the dribble difficult, make it difficult for him to go right and get the shot off. And that's what he did. So as much as he was good on offense, he was just as good on defense. And that is all around the best game of the year. Best game of the playoffs by him, of course. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And I think that, you know, he spent a lot of time in this series on CJ McCollum. And it'll be interesting to look at the defensive stats on Brandon Ingram for Mikhail Bridges, not only in this game, but in this series. Because, yeah, I mean, Brandon Ingram is playing at a ridiculous clip. I think he's averaging like 29.8 points per game. Uh, It's like fourth or fifth best in the playoffs thus far, this game included. So he's just been playing out of his mind. 
You know, I'm like, since when did Brandon Ingram become Michael fucking Jordan out there? You know, I mean, he hits every shot he hits is difficult. It's a fall away. I'm like, I've been watching Brandon Ingram for a long, long time. I think he's been in the, the league for six seasons. And I love Brandon Ingram. I always have. But I've never seen him make shots like this on a consistent basis. I just haven't. His strength has always been getting to the rim, using his length, kind of like a Mikael Bridges, right? Using his length to get to yeah. the rim and hitting those kind of middies. Uh, but he's doing the, the Devin Booker, like, turnaround, fadeaway, all kinds of crazy shit. And as you mentioned, tonight – uh, it ran out a little bit. He was 7 of 19 from the field. He had the 22 points. Uh, he was a team worst, negative 16 in the plus minus. Had 5 assists, 5 rebounds, and was 1 for 5 from deep. And that's been the killer of the series. Entering this game, Brandon Ingram was shooting 50% from deep. That's just ridiculous. You know, again, as I, as I mentioned earlier in the pod, this team has been outperforming every one of their metrics throughout the first four games of this series. This is a game due to the efforts of one Mikhail Bridges, that they came back down to earth, and Mikhail was was everywhere. I mean, that was a clinic that he put on tonight, and, and the sheer fact that he went four for four from beyond the arc is just icing on the cake, but I feel like every one of those threes was absolutely huge for the Phoenix Suns. They were they were wide open too, just like the last few games. Like the Suns are getting wide open looks. Ingram, like when he's in a groove, he can hit those threes. There were a lot of them were corner threes last game. And when the Suns look weak as a team, when they're given into, you know, the psychological battle with this team, you know, I think it makes it easy for the Pelicans to realize, like, dude, they're just they're like anybody else. They're not the best team in the league. You know, we can beat this team. That's the kind of mindset they had in the last few games, even when the Suns won game three. It's like it was difficult. So I feel like we kind of got them out of that, but we need a lot more of, we need just some more dumb plays that we can't feed them the ball. But other than that, I think Ingram kind of realized, and he did get hurt tonight, which sucks. I don't want him to be hurt yeah. next game. I want to finish this off full strength. No excuses. Well, you hurt nothing. a couple times, man. Like yeah. his finger and then landed on his, his tailbone. Yes. I, that's terrible. You don't want him to. You want to finish this series out strong. And uh, hopefully he has the opportunity to because I want McHill. I, you can't, I don't know if he can duplicate this performance, right? Playing every minute of the game. And you, I don't know if he could, as young as he is, and he probably eats meat. He, I don't know if he has the strength to really do it two games in a row. So, but I want to see what they do next game with Ingram again and see if Mikel can keep it up. No, I completely agree. And, and you know, an, another thing that was a narrative entering this game obviously was the foul disparity. Uh, we talked about it at nauseum on the last podcast. Uh, Monty Williams today was fined fifteen thousand dollars for pointing out that the Pelicans shot forty-two free throws to the Suns, seventeen on Sunday. Uh, yeah. In the same breath, like an hour later, the NBA released that the play on Herb Jones on Chris Paul was a technical foul uh, or a flagrant one, you know, so he'll get fined. So it's like they sit there and they go, hey, Monty, like you can't. And all Monty did was read the stat sheet, right? He wasn't sitting there complaining. Yeah. He's just like, he's like, just I'm going to read this to you. And then he read it and he's just like, that's that, that that's pretty, pretty insane, <laughs> right? So he reads the stack. Yeah. The, he reads this, the the stat sheet. He gets hit with a $15,000 fine. The NBA then says that one of the fouls that they didn't call was a foul. And then you look at tonight and, you know, it was kind of, it, it was kind of iffy, if you will, you know, 35 to 20, they had 15 more free throws than we did. And the one thing that kept them around in this, in, in this game was in that third quarter, you know, they went 12 for 12 from the line and the Suns went two for three. You know, is this going to be a consistent narrative against this team or should we just say, you know what, once again, we won the game and it was despite the fact that we can't get whistles. 
You know, when I looked at the free throws in the second half, I was actually surprised that the Suns were down that low. I thought they did a good job getting to the rim, and I think this is the best the Suns can do in any series against anybody, even if it's a young team like the Pelicans. Even though it's so funny because the Suns were just young last year and the two years ago, just because we have Chris Paul, we're old, I guess. Um, <laughs> but Pelicans, they're going to get to the line no matter what because they live down there. They make sure the force the force um, any kind of shot towards the Suns and make sure that they can draw some contact. The Suns still have issues doing that. They will. It's nothing like you can turn around in a you know in a in a blink of an eye going into next series, going into the next game. The Suns just have to be more aggressive, whether or not it looks good or not. I know Cameron Johnson tried to do it early in the game to kind of set the tone, but they just look so weird doing it. It's not the Suns kind of game. It really isn't. Obviously, the stats show all all season long. So. The thing that we argued about last podcast was how the Suns just did not get any calls when they're trying to get the rebound. Mm-hmm. It seemed like tonight the Suns were getting the rebounds and they they made some dumb plays where they bring the ball down like, oh, where's Alvarado? Yeah. There he is. Like that was on the Suns. But last game, the rest weren't calling anything because they were all over the Suns trying to grab rebounds. It didn't look like the issue tonight. So that was the one thing that bothered me that was kind of gone. I just think that this was a good officiating game, even though the Suns are 15 less shot attempts from the free throw line. The Suns did the best they can. They just don't have that in them to get to the line every time down the floor. Yeah, I mean, that's not who this team is and has been mm-hmm. all season. We know that. They're a high free throw percentage shooting team, but they do a really bad job of getting to the line. That's who they've been all season. So we shouldn't be surprised in the playoffs that this is accentuated. And it's definitely something that we talked about throughout the season on our podcast was come playoff time, we shall be annoyed by the fact that we aren't going to get to the line like the other team does. And it's yeah. been that way all season, but it's amplified in the playoffs because, again, you know, you're losing you, you lose campaign. You know, Here, here's what's funny. <laughs> Total side note. <laughs> they talk about the void of curse, right? Like whenever I make a new drop for somebody <laughs> that they yeah. suck for like two weeks, Cameron Payne and Jay Crowder, I made them drops uh, as we get got ready for the playoffs because they're like two of the only players on the team who don't have a drop. And campaign fouls out tonight. Jay Crowder is in foul trouble the entire <laughs> night. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, I just, I'm just going to delete those things. You know, like I just need to get rid of yeah. those things. There's no way, at least not the Jay Crowder one. You got to keep those. Well, I'm and waiting for Jay Crowder. Ball, man. He needs to make two, two uh, shots from beyond the arc and he will get his, his drop back. And Cameron Payne, in order to get his, he needs a 15 point game. And okay. on that note, you know, Cameron Those Payne, the rules. <laughs> you know, the, them's the rules. Okay. okay. And campaign had 12 points tonight. You know, he was four of 10, uh, had a couple steals. And I, I think, you know, the, only the one turnover, but Cameron Payne had a much better game tonight. Right. Yeah, he did. Uh, the nine Oh run that the Suns went on early in the game. Um, you know, it was Cameron Payne when last year, it looked like it was him from last year with the free throws. Uh, Good looking bucket took his time, little little pull away from uh big V down there on the elbow. So that looked good. And then also just um hitting that three in transition. So it was a nine-on run from the Suns. He got seven of them. That's what we need. Like if that's yes. all he brings the whole game, and it's I mean, if he ends up with 15 points, like you want for the drop, but he gets those seven points in a spurt, those are things that we need to make sure that we can keep that lead to make sure that we can put our put our throat on the Pelican's neck. So uh <laughs> Little cuddle mean, session, I guess that's what it is. Neck on the throat or throat. Yeah, on, like, little still, cuddle session. Yeah, and you talked about Bati like giving these guys opportunities still, and this is something where you know Cameron Payne is just like you know he still believed in me. He did. He he was the first one off the bench. I still liked Holiday's minutes a lot, and I think we should get more minutes of him. 
Uh, but then the dumb the fouls prob- by pain. The problem with Holiday though is you saw it a couple times. He got bailed out once. He the does one, yeah, for the he, d- he does the Bledsoe, yeah, where yeah. he just drives towards the hoop, jumps up in the mm-hmm. air, and then turns around and looks for somebody to throw it to. And he did it on one play, but they they called a foul on the opposition. Yeah, he got but bailed that, out big time. Yeah, he got bailed one. out big time. And the, in that, that three pointer, the offense is going nowhere. The one that just went in off the front rim, he got lucky on that one. Um, but dumb fouls by pain, man. He when he's in foul trouble, don't swipe at the Bo- ball. Boneheaded. And, it, and it's a foul too. It's just those are the things where you just know he doesn't listen. He doesn't pay attention to that. That's what's going to keep him in trouble. Keep this team in trouble if he does that. Because having such a good day, good game, and you go into foul trouble, that mentally gets in your head. It ruins everything else. So other than the fouls, everything else looked pretty decent from him tonight. No, I I agree, and I think that you know again, if he can just keep himself out there on the court, like you said, he was a big part of kind of the only run in this game. And that's one thing that I think has really driven me crazy about this series. The Phoenix Suns haven't put together any substantial runs. You know, one of the reasons that this team was 64 and 18 is there would be points in the game where they would just drop six to 12 on you like that. Yeah. And they did it in the first quarter. They got up by 12 and then they just held on for the rest of the game. You know, you look at it in the second quarter, they outscored the Pelicans 27 to 26. The third quarter, the Pelicans outscored them 32-30. And in the final quarter, the Suns held the Pelicans to 19 points, but they only scored 23 of their own. So they were a plus one in the second, a negative two in the third, and a plus four in the fourth. It was the plus 12 in the first that ultimately decided this game. We haven't seen that from the Phoenix Suns where they put together two or three of those runs. Now, if you watch Memphis versus Minnesota, that's all that series is is teams putting 14-0 runs on each other like nonstop. Yeah. That's all the game yeah. is. It's like it's to be a fan, it to be a fan of either one of those teams watching that series has got to aid you. Because it's nonstop. It's like, hey man, I'm feeling good. We're up 16 now. It's like, holy shit, we're only up two. Oh, we're up 16 again. Oh, oh, we lost the game. You know, it's just like that yeah. is that that series is insane. Now, if the Phoenix Suns can do that to the Pelicans with a little bit more regularity, this isn't even a contest. But again, yeah. you have to credit the Pelicans. You have to you have to credit their focus, their athleticism, their youth, their coaching. You have to credit them for all of those reasons why they haven't folded. They believe in themselves. This is a team that, in theory, if, when you like you said, when you put your neck on their throat, <laughs> they should they should go away. But they haven't this entire series, and I expect in Game Six much of the same that they're going to come out with that fire. The Suns just need to put some more of those good runs on this team. Yeah, I agree. Watch DeAndre Ayton in this game once again played absolutely fantastic, in my opinion. Only 19 points, nine total rebounds, eight of 13 from the field. Uh, note that of those 19 points, 13 of them came in the first half. He was six of eight in the first half. Uh, I thought he was making all the right decisions in this game. You know, he had, he had that amazing pass to Jay Crowder. He hit uh, Mikhail Bridges on a back cut late in the game. That was, you know, Mikhail dunked at home and that was kind of the exclamation point, you know, and entering this game, Deandre Ayton was shooting 69% against the Pelicans when he was guarded by either Jonas Valanciunas, where he was 24 of 34 or Larry Nance Jr., who is five mm-hmm. of eight. Uh, I can I continue to see great things from DeAndre Ayton. My one challenge, again, is the fact that they kind of have this a tendency where 
they go away from him. You know, looking at the third quarter, uh, DeAndre Ayton played eight minutes. He had five points in that quarter. And then if you look at the fourth quarter, he played eight minutes and he only had the one point. Now, again, we won this game. So I'm not going to be overly critical about the Suns not giving him the ball a little bit more, but they should have given the ball a little bit more. They should have. Uh, everyone did step up around him, so it was nice to see that. So maybe, I mean, you know the way Aiden is. If everyone else is doing good, then he's not going to worry about it. He's not yeah. going to ask for the ball. Um, you know, there was three turnovers by him tonight. Uh, there's just a few weird plays, like the handoff to Chris Paul, where he just kind of threw it away. Yeah. Um, he, he looked good. The only thing is, like, if we go to adjustments next game, I'm just thinking, you know, if we have this game from everybody else, we still need a little bit more from DeAndre down there on the boards, down there on putbacks. Because uh, that's what we're going to need to finish this team off. We're going to need an extra level from him. Uh, it was a good game, though, by him. It just wasn't really noticeable. It was a quiet 19 points from him. Yeah. Um, he had a few good looks uh, to his uh, teammates, setting them up really nicely. Um, other than that, though, I just we need to see a little bit more, a little bit more going after those boards, a little bit more. Um, it's just he was kind of just standing there a few times and not paying attention. But he, I don't know. It, it's weird. I think when other guys are around him are doing so well, He's really happy for them, and he kind of just pays attention to that a little bit. If that makes well, any but sense. But I also feel Norman. like I also feel like when guys are doing well around him, it's because of him. It's because of the space he's created. It's because some of the passes. Uh, so I think that you know that's yeah. he's he's a team player. Da is. is a team player, and he is somebody who again has been the most consistent player thus far through the first five games of this playoff run. Through the majority of the last playoff run, he was consistent, and he is consistent. And it's great to see that. You're not getting a a, a boner game from DA, right? <laughs> Where he just goes out there and oh. plays like a boner. You know, you just you don't see that. And thus far. And I think that that's absolutely valuable. Uh, what do you think about Monty Williams using his challenge in the second quarter to avoid a DA offensive foul? I like that one. And I also love Booker stepping on the court. He went all the way to the opposing 30-yard line. Yes. To, to go out to the rest for the challenge foul. <laughs> a little uh, Jeff Garrett or Jeff Garrett. What's the uh, who cares about the Cowboys? What am I going to bring them up for? Their old coach used to go out there and throw the challenge flag and get a technical. Um, but I thought I'm surprised Book got a technical. We'll get into the subreddit thing where fans are like, What is this dude guy doing? But he was all the way out there trying to challenge that himself because everyone could see McCollum went into it. was nice because I thought that the move DA made is something that he needs to do more of, and he shouldn't shy away from it because he drew the foul. So I think it was a confidence booster for him that Monty did call that challenge because it was very blatant and obvious that it wasn't a charge yeah and you know i think that at that point it was an 11 point game and it was an opportunity potentially for the pelicans to cut it down and i, I thought it was a good use you know i'm like if, if this plays out right which it did yeah you're not going to need it at the end of the game you're going to be up by enough but don't let them get away with that bullshit let the let the refs take a look at how they fucked up and again yes to devin to the point of devin booker I love doing the Booker drop, even though he's not playing. Parker Hines in the chat, 499 in the super chat. We appreciate you, Parker. Says, question, when Book retires eventually, can he be a good coach? I don't know. Thoughts? You know, it's tough. I was thinking about how good Jason Kidd is a coach. I was thinking of, like, top 75 players, which which player was actually a good coach? Because it's very difficult for these guys as superstars to really deal with these players that aren't very good, not as good as them. So it depends. Booker came up in a different way. He came into yeah. the league in a different way. So it might help him in the end. Um, I can see Chris Paul being a better coach first. And yes. then we'll see if maybe Devin Booker joins the staff later in the in the 
in the decade, the next decade, maybe hopefully next decade, and they can coach the Suns, something like that. I mean, nice. what do you think of his attire tonight? I it doesn't matter. Doesn't oh, matter. that was it though. That's all I said was I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh shout out to Jeff Bernardino. He says date night with the wife, screw avocado, sons and six. Let's go, sons fam. Thank you guys for the amazing podcast. Thank you, Jeff, for donating and yeah, thank chat. you, Jeff. We really, really appreciate that very, very much. So, Matthew, rumor has it you were hanging out on the Pelican subreddit, right? Yes. The Suns Jam Session subreddit stakeout. So Matthew was tasked with the duty of going to the Pelican subreddit and just seeing what they're saying about this game. And for those of you who uh, want to follow them, I don't recommend it, but NOLA Pelicans is the subreddit. And who are we joined with? Is this is this Zeus God? Who is this? Me. <laughs> Me? I'm not good at <laughs> Me is the answer. Me? My glasses are all fogged up now. <laughs> yeah, it's me. It's me 75 years from now when I'm Ice King. Uh, yes, Ice I was King. hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I was hanging out in subreddit. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Anderson says, Lissy looks like the Ice King. Mission yeah, it was actually uh, yeah my costume last Halloween. So, so tell oh. me, what was going on on the subreddit for the Pelicans? So, subreddit stakeout. First comment I saw was, Phoenix sucks, but they're pros. They will make... Every open shot we give them. So, you know, the Pelicans fans are still scared of all the open shots that we're given. Well, of so, course. And the Suns took advantage tonight, right? Yeah, I mean, we are the number one team in the league when it comes to record. We're a great team. So you want to make sure that you are getting is those open shots. And you know what? They do. They did. Yeah. So take that, Pelicans. They did. Also, is Hayes as dumb as he looks? So, you know, the, the Hayes love in the beginning of the series turned to just, you know, straight bashing on what the man looks like. So, Hayes, is he as dumb as he looks? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I don't have to deal with him, so I'm not really worried about it. Well, looking at Jackson Hayes tonight, uh, he played a total of 15 minutes. He was eight points, three of six from the field. Uh, he just he had a lot of defensive challenges, and I've noticed that, too, by hanging out on the Pelican subreddit. Man, they – they will throw Hayes under a bus the first chance they can. You know, I, I feel like the dumb thing is very easy. You know, you think a lot of these guys look dumb. Um, <laughs> Metal Mike, WT... yes. Hey, Hayes is as dumb as he looks. Confirmed. All right. Continue. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Metal Mike. Uh, WTF are these turnovers, you know, the turn when the Twin Towers came in for the Suns, all of a sudden it was turnover city. And that's what they were talking about. Like the, the Pelicans going to get anything offensively, turn the ball over. Uh, those are comments by the Pelicans fans. Uh, why are they allowing Booker to get <laughs> on the court over and over? MFR, <laughs> you ain't playing. Give that guy a tech, WTF. And that's when Monty challenged the Aiden call. So. so they were not a fan of Devin Booker out there on the court in the in the Pelican subreddit, huh? No, not at all. Um, you know, if he got a technical, then I would have probably been upset too. I thought um, one was coming. I honestly did. I'm like, it's not unlike Devin Booker to get technicals when he's in street clothes. We all yeah. remember the great Mexico city debacle of 2019 when he was in street clothes and he got a technical foul against the Spurs when we were playing them down in Mexico cities. And it ultimately cost the team a, uh, a win. I remember yes. I was unbelievably frustrated about that. And if you think about it, 
Because of that, they didn't get into the playoffs in the bubble because they missed it by a game. And it's all your fault, Devin Booker. <laughs> but I like to be on the court. You know, I forgot that he was on the team. Um, <laughs> all right, some some Jose Alvarado comments. Jose got that old man panting. We're still in this. That was actually leading up to halftime when Chris Paul was over dramatic, leaning over on his hands on his knees before halftime was ended. And yes. then it's like Jose Alvarado has this man panting. And I said, you know, eat some meat. You probably get some energy. <laughs> um, Alvarado is a point god slayer, and he's he has been right in certain situations. He's just that pesky guy I haven't seen all year long. So, you know, I'll tell you this, and I said this at the very beginning of the season or the series. I think we had the the podcast where it was bring on the Pelicans, right? And I spent some time saying those exact words. I'm like, Jose Alvarado is somebody that we will grow to hate. He is pesky. Mm-hmm. He is frustrating. And even in this game, even after what happened in game four, he still was allowed to be pesky and frustrating. Now, that being said, the Suns did a much better job of setting the back picks, of playing a little bit more physical with him to get him off of CP3. And Reggie Miller was making the same comments on like TNT about how Chris Paul looks so tired. It's like, I don't think he necessarily looks so tired. Chris Paul didn't have to work that hard because he wasn't bringing the ball up the majority of the time when Alvarado was out there on him. And if he was, he had the back screens coming from Bismack, from DA, from Jay. So he didn't have to work too much. I mean, do you think he did? He looked... Oh, he looked tired? I thought you were going to do the rock thing. So, yeah, he looked tired. Ah, To me, he did, dude. (laughs) Uh, Last comment, though. Okay. Last comments about CJ McCollum. Honestly, I wonder if CJ is sick or something. He's streaky, but this is something else. So he's been really falling off. And even with Mikhail Bridges off of him, some of the game, he had a hard time getting it going again. So, you know, I don't know what's up with them, but he's missing a lot of big shots for them right now. Yeah, you look at CJ McCollum in this game, 7 of 22 from the field, 21 points. Uh, again, Ingram was 7 of 19 for 22, but he was 1 for 8 from deep. And that was the big thing in this game. You know, both CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram combined were two of 13 from beyond the arc. And yeah. I, I know also from hanging out on this on subreddit when it comes to the Pelicans, man, they roast C, uh, CJ McCollum whenever they get a chance. Yeah, he's like I don't the know one why. guy you see. I don't know either. It's because he doesn't play here. defense. He doesn't play good defense. So, well, th- thank you, Ice King, for hanging out with us oh, for subreddit stakeout. No the Suns Jam Session subreddit stakeout. There you go. Subreddit stakeout. You can only get that right here on the Suns Jam Session podcast. So (laughs) reminder, if you're hanging out with us to subscribe, rate, and review, hit that thumbs up button if you're here on YouTube. But if you're listening to this later, stop by Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars, write a review. We'll read it right here on the podcast. Uh, no, I think that what they were talking about on the Pelican subreddit is you knew it was going to be a rough night for them because of the way that the Phoenix Suns, again, made those adjustments, right? I mean, they yeah. they made they made the proper adjustments that threw just enough wrinkles and curveballs at the Pelicans to take them out of their game. And I really think that that's something that the Suns haven't done very much in this series is they've allowed them to kind of do what they want to do. They, you know, get to their spots, take their shots. Now, albeit they're tough shots and every shot that the Pelicans take is contested, you know, but in this game, again, they kind of came back down to earth. They shot 40% from the field, 20% from beyond the arc. If it wasn't for their 28 makes from the free throw line, if you take that down by 10, you know, the Suns really blow them out. You know, they, they, they don't beat them by 15. They beat them by 25. 
Yeah, it's the same as last game where everything really matched percentage-wise. It was just the free throws, and then the Suns just upped the percentage, and they won the game. That's that's all it was. Well, and that's what we've talked about in those games that we've lost. I mean, the Suns in this game were 10 of 27 from beyond the arc. They're 37%, which is a respectable percentage for sure, but those 10 made threes are absolutely huge. And to yeah. see the contributions, you know, primarily from Mikhail Bridges, but campaign had two threes. Landry Shamit had a three. Jay Crowder hit one. God, if he hit two, I could play his drop. Come on, Jay. Come on, Jay. <laughs> you know you want it, Jay. Come on. Oh, yeah. I mean, he got it's... hurt, though, so. Who got hurt? Jay, he, he got hurt a little bit. Like, he had some ice on his calf or something, I heard. He was out for a while. Well, he was out because he was in foul trouble the whole damn game. You All know right. I mean? Well, then I read the wrong report. Well, come on. Come on, Matthew. You're better than that. You're better than that. Um, also looking at this game, a couple other things that I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about before we uh, hand out the hardware for Suns Jams star of the game. Um, the way that the Pelicans are always swiping at rebounds. You know, Dave King pointed that out on Twitter, and I thought it was something that is very interesting. It's something you don't see a lot of teams do. Uh, of course, everyone kind of goes for the ball, but they're always swatting. They're always yeah, swatting. Yeah, and again, yeah. it's that kind of hustle thing. Have you noticed that? And is, uh, how annoying is it? No, yeah, it, it wasn't as bad this game, but this was something I brought up last podcast. But it's it's just something where if the Suns try to sell it and try to draw the foul, I feel like the rest won't even call it. So they just have to hold their own because I think the way the Pelicans do look at the Suns is like, hey, they're kind of weak you know, down there. They're not paying attention on the board still. So why not swat it? That's their only chance to really get into these games and win the games is to be the pesky, annoying team that's swatting at the, the defensive rebounds to try to get the second chance. So they have to keep at it. They're going to keep at it, and they're going to get more and more of them. It's just the rest aren't giving us sons of calls on it. But this this game wasn't as bad as last game. No, not at all. And I, and I, another thing that I I noticed is, you know, Devin Booker, we talked about him obviously a little bit earlier, mm. uh, but did you see the footage of him taking jumpers before the game? Yeah, I did. So things are looking okay for Devin Booker. Um, as, as Coach Evan B, shout out to Coach Evan B. He's uh, from the He's on Fire podcast. He said, Booker said after the game, I'm back. Well, I'm interested to see if that is true. What I would really love, and what are your thoughts on this? Should if Devin Booker is able to, should he come back for Game Six against the Pelicans in New Orleans? Man, this is tough. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I don't here's know what, what to I do think. Here, here's what I think. I think that he should dress for the game if he's able to dress for the game. He could come off the bench like Steph Curry's been coming off the bench for the Warriors in their series against the Denver Nuggets. And he can be a, you know, break glass if necessary kind of thing. Because if you win that game, you have some more days off, right? So you don't yeah. want to go out there and play him because he's got a, he's got a uh, grade one hamstring strain. So you don't want that to co- become a pulled hamstring, right? So obviously you want to keep him re- as well rested as possible. But if he feels like he's almost back, you know, and and flat and after tar- Tiger twenty nine, one of our elite jamsters. If you want to become an elite jamster, hit the join button down below. Uh, he said, "Flex said book it when talking about closing out the series in yeah. Game Six on Twitter." And uh, what our buddy Flex said is, he said, "I fully expected the Suns to g- to get this Game Five win tonight in Phoenix. This series is over on Thursday in New Orleans. You can book it. Uh, see y'all Thursday. Can't wait." And yes, I said book it. 
stop listening to the national media. That's what yeah. that that's what he just said. So if Booker can play, I say bring him off the bench, man. Imagine him coming in and just you know getting 15 minutes in and throwing some daggers out there. How great would that be? No, that'd be perfect. I I would love that. I think just don't straight himself. Maybe he can just like stay away from the rim, just like hit hit the jumpers, give Chris Paul a bit of rest, just, like holding the ball. So that'd yes. be nice. Um, I don't want to see anything too too much from him in this series, just because if the Suns don't move on without him they don't deserve to really go any further because this team right now, they kind of figured something out tonight, but they got to continue with that. Uh, what they figured out. tonight. they got to figure out that yeah, they got to figure stuff out. <laughs> There's a bunch of stuff. <laughs> that was, that they uh, gotta figure out. That's that great a analysis that you only get right here. Go. Sons jam session. Let's podcast. Go. Jam star of the game. You know, I do feel bad because Bismack Biombo played in this game. And, you know, how, how many total minutes did he get, Matthew? Do you have the stat line in front no, of you? No, I don't. Let me, let me bring it up. So he had, let me just guess, he had 7.43. 7 <laughs> minutes, 43 seconds. Yes. Yep, that deserves a drop. Biz. Biz. He earned it. <laughs> just by playing uh but again yes jamsters let us know who your jam star of the game is in the chat this is a reminder to subscribe rate and review and if you're watching along live hit that thumbs up button down below we truly appreciate it matthew who do you have oh i don't know um mikhail bridges and why for sure uh, he made a lot of shots tonight. He was really good on defense. He, yeah, your analysis he, is just fucking killing it tonight. I'm, I'm aiming so strong, dude. Here, dude. <laughs> All I'm that the corn syrup hurting my I'm tummy. The, I'm the one who's sick here. <laughs> well, I mean, how much more can I say about Mikael Bridges? I already went off about him. So he uh, he locked down tonight, man. He's I don't know when he has games like this. I just don't know. These are the games where you're just like, what is the ceiling for this guy, right? You just you kind of think like, what can this guy be? Because he takes over a playoff game like this and plays, you know, even Draymond said, um, CJ McCollum and Ingram are better players on the floor than Chris Paul. Ingram's been really good. And then he shut it off tonight. He made sure to shut him down and make sure that the Suns stayed focused on offense and defense to keep those guys quiet. This is the performance we've been waiting from from Mikael Bridges in this series. Right, 47 minutes played, 31 points on 17 shots, five rebounds, four blocks, two steals, two steals, two assists, and he defended Brandon Ingram or CJ McCollum every time down the court. Yeah, this is what we were, and I'm telling you, every time he has a game like this, that deal that we had with that the Suns and James Jones inked with him this past offseason looks like a steal. An absolute steal what we got this guy for. He is what you need. And again, imagine who this team is right now with Devin Booker out there. Because then you got Devin and Scotty. Or you got Michael and Scotty, right? Now, I'm yeah. not saying that Devin Booker is Michael Jordan. I'm not saying Mikael Bridges is Scotty Pippen. But I kind of am. They're fucking for the awesome. For the Suns they are, yeah. For the Suns they are. Yes, for <laughs> yes. the Suns they are. So again, jam star of the game definitely goes, in my personal opinion, to Mikael Bridges. An unbelievable night for him. Uh, and now we kind of... We look towards game number six, Matthew. Uh, as we look at game six, what adjustments do you think will be made on both sides of the ball? You know, I want to see more holiday. I want to see more of the Twin Towers. I just want to see extended versions of what we saw tonight. 
because if you're keeping um if you're keeping DeAndre in there at certain times and then you have McGee come in, uh play some more interchangeable minutes between the two. I want to see more of I just think defensively is where you gotta go at him. Because if you have um if you have McGee in there and you have Bismack in there, I mean offensively Bismack, yeah, don't do too much, right? If you do too much, it doesn't look good offensively, but you're there defensively because this defense right now is leading to good offense for the other players. So if you have those two and I mean those three interchangeable throughout the game, I want to see that. I'm not saying all the time, but more minutes like that. And then also what we did tonight, I'm not saying you have to have the same game, Mikhail Bridges, but the way these other guys stepped up was huge, but you still need DeAndre to do a little bit more this next game just to close them out. Just to yes. send a message, you know, he had some good in ones tonight, but be a little bit more physical, be a little bit more demanding on the boards, and the Suns can get the win. And I don't know if he can really match what the Suns bench did tonight again, but they did a little bit better. They didn't do great. They did a little bit better. I think they could do even better next game. No, I agree. I think that that's the area of opportunity for this team. And, and the adjustments that need to be made in game six are as the emotion of – the smoothie center, which on Pelicans uh, subreddit they call it the blender, because it's like the nice. smoothie, the smoothie king center or whatever. I'm like, <laughs> that's, that's a good. funny name, and you know, like, we good, got footprint yeah. center. I'm like, ah, you can't. There's nothing funny about that. But smoothie king, you'd be like, ah, oh, I'm headed to the blender. I think that's a good name. Uh, but as <laughs> you know, as the emotion is going to be riding high, the crowd will definitely, definitely be into it. I mean, I they were they've been so loud on TV. You know, you have to ride that emotion. And I think that what Monty's done is he's shown a little bit of his hand and saying, hey, we can shut you down defensively in a couple different ways now. And that's where they need to focus on. They need to focus on the defense. They forced the Pelicans into a ton of contested shots in this game, a ton of contested shots. They need to continue doing that because, again, this is a team that has shown, and, you know, they won 36 games this season, and they've shown that on a long enough timeline, those shots aren't going to go in. And they started to come back down to earth tonight. And I hope that they come all the way yeah. back down to earth on Thursday and the Suns ultimately win that game. Now, I saw, I think it was Zona Hoops <clears throat> who posted this a couple nights ago. This team, the Phoenix Suns this year, I know I've personally done it a ton, uh, has been compared to like the 2014 San Antonio Spurs, or yeah, the San Antonio Spurs, right? Yeah. Remember yeah. that team that beat LeBron yep. James and the Heat in the finals, and they were just unbelievably balanced, and they played. Came you know, back. Young, yeah. Lost. Yeah. Yep. And, and they, their first round matchup as a one seed was against an eighth seeded uh, Dallas Mavericks team, and they went to seven, and then they just marched through the playoffs. You know. This team has the ability to do that. And I'm saying, I don't want it to go to seven. I can't deal with the fucking stress of that shit. I swear to God. It might. <laughs> it might. It absolutely might. It man. absolutely might. But yeah. that being said, this team has the capability. We saw it tonight. The adjustment that I want primarily made on Thursday is just lockdown defense. Because we saw tonight the the defense leads to offense. And that's where we can start to put some of those runs on this team. Yeah, and uh, it's something that they can do. I think they're really finding their groove again. They really are. Um, yes. You just saw a little bit of it tonight, and the dumb things of just turning the ball over, just doing too much on offense for some players that shouldn't be handling the ball on offense. That just happened a few too many times tonight, and they'll shore up that, and then I feel like have a more complete game next game. But it's going to be difficult. Like I said, home court doesn't oh, yeah. matter, but, man, that Pelicans team feeds off that energy, man. Yeah, Amen. it did, huh? 
yeah, the officials feed off that energy. That's the scary thing. So. True. Thoughts. Um, brains. All right, so a couple things I want to talk about before we get out of here today. Uh, going on in the rest of the playoffs, you have, if you look at the Eastern Conference, the Nets did not win a game. They were swept by Boston, Matthew. What yeah. are your thoughts? I did choose them to beat Boston, didn't I? Um, you know, <laughs> I think I picked Atlanta yeah. to beat the Heat, and they beat them 4-1. So what the yeah, fuck yeah, do we know? Yeah, that one's over, too. Uh, it's, it's weird. It, it had me thinking. I'm like, if the Suns lose tonight, it's just a thing where, you know, these old guys that are in the league thinking that, you know, they can squeeze one more title or get, get their first title. It might just be over for a lot of these guys. You know what I mean? Because the league is so deep right now. It's so young. Uh, I'm not saying Durant's not great. He is. Um, whatever happened to him in the series, I'm not sure because I've never seen him ever have that much of a difficult time game to game trying to get shots up against a team is good defensively, but come on, Kevin Durant, seven feet tall, can't give the ball, the shot up over these dudes and just bricking everything. It's, it hasn't looked that way in forever. So the thing is like, these guys kind of create these teams with these old dudes, like uh, Blake Griffin, eh, just join the team. You know, we're friends. We'll see if we can win this because we got names, but it hasn't worked that way. And uh, Kyrie, no matter how good they are, no matter how good he is, the help just wasn't there. You're on mute. You look at that series, and that defense was pretty spectacular from Boston. I think if Brooklyn's yeah. playing in any other series, they at least get one or two games. I don't think that they have it in them because much akin to the Los Angeles Lakers, the Nets were just way too damn top-heavy, right? I mean, from a salary standpoint, when you, <clears throat> you pay that much money for those kind of players, in, in the Nets' case, it's K, uh, KD, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons. It was James Harden to begin the season. The, re- the rest of the roster is really hard to, f- to fill out. And Boston's in a good place because they've got, you know, some really unbelievably defensive-minded guys. It'll be interesting to see what happens because I believe that Milwaukee, who's currently up 3-1 on the Bulls, should win that series. That'll be a good series, man. Boston versus Milwaukee, huh? Yeah, no, I think so. Um, you know, the thing with Chicago, too, I saw is that Levine's out now. So this yeah, one should be wrapped COVID. up. Yeah, no, I mean, Milwaukee versus Boston, and then if Philly can pull it out versus Miami, I mean, you got matchups everywhere that's going to look great. Um, yeah, go ahead and put your thumbs up. What? That's not good for the audio people. What are you talking about? Oh. <laughs> um, looking at the Western Conference, I don't want to go too far into the Eastern Conference. The next yeah. series up for the Suns, if they win on Thursday or Saturday against New Orleans, they will play the winner of Dallas versus Utah. Dallas currently leads that series 3-2. to two. Are you scared of either team? Uh, just Dallas a little bit. Yeah, if Luka can get it going, Brunson's going to be worse than Alvarado. I'm not saying they're the same kind of player. It's just that it's a backup point guard you know, kind of thing where you, you need campaign to stick up in a way to where he can be yeah. that other guy too. Yeah. So um, it's tough. I think Dallas is definitely beatable, but I always said that they're going to give the Suns a run for their money, um, especially if Book's not back 100%, which I'm sure he'll never be 100% the rest of the year. But yeah. if Book can come back and be the decent player that he is, <laughs> the great player that he is, then, uh, you know, it'll be a six or seven game series for sure. Just like, I, you know what, Utah might even extend it to seven. I just think that what they found in the game five against Dallas, uh, or I mean in game four, was great. They kind of, kind of found some continuity within that team, and they got that win. Um, but Dallas, you know, when Luka's going off like that, where he just controls the whole game, it's unbeatable for a team like Utah. 
Well, and I'll tell you this. I mean, the all you have to do is play five out against the Jazz, and you'll win. And you can do that with Luca back now. He's getting you know kind of back in the groove. Spencer yeah, Dinwiddie has been a aber- you know just unbelievable for that Dallas Mavericks team. So, you know, it's everything we want's on the other side of hard, and the other side of hard is on Thursday. I think it's an early game, Matthew. I think it's a four thirty tip our time, which is like right around the same Ow. time as the NFL draft. Is it? Oh, the NFL so. draft, dude. Yeah. What? You know what I get mad is when Rasilla talks about the draft. It's like, who gives a fuck about the draft? Like, there's not even a good draft. Have you right? ever seen? I love the draft. I normally go yeah. to Buffalo Wild Wings. I meet with my friends. I don't know if I'll be able to do it this year just because I don't feel well. Uh, but have you ever heard Bill Burr's stand up about the draft? No. It's fantastic. He's like, he just sits there and he's like, he's like, that's what you get for watching the draft. All you have to do is like the next day, it's it's right there in the paper. You just go right down. You can see everyone who got drafted. You know, he's like, he's like, people get all upset during. He's like, well, I think we need a kicker. He's like, I can't believe you want something. You know, so it's just like, so uh, I like the NFL draft. It's but if it's on a Thursday, I will be in a different mindset. That's for damn sure. Well, it's four thirty. I'm not gonna be able to see the first quarter. Oh my god, here we go. Okay, you you better call off work that day. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, Jamsters, we appreciate you hanging out with us after this great Suns victory. Way to go, Suns. Ah, oh, relief. I already feel myself getting better. Thank you, Suns. Uh, but make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. Uh, Matthew Lizzie. And you can follow the show at Suns Jam. Do you know what's a good way to end a show? I, I should sit there and say, and on behalf of Matthew, this is John. And then you go, on behalf of John, this is Matthew. Okay. You ever watch Community? Yeah, just the first season though. Oh my god, I've been I, I've been sick at home, so I've been binge watching. Uh, I love that show. Troy and Abed in the morning, and that's what they do at the end of one. They're like, "All right." So on behalf, what season of, is that? Troy and Abed on the morning is at the end of like every fucking episode throughout the entire. Oh yeah, you, really? You, yeah, you okay. got, it's such a great show. Ah, such yeah. a great show. It's so good. on behalf of Matthew, this is John. And beyond uh, whatever, <laughs> I already forgot what to say. <laughs> Just tell me to go home and love, go home and love your family. All right, thank you. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.